Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. And today our talk features a panel discussion that was held at the Palenque Norte Lectures at the 2014 Burning Man Festival. And it seems to me that uh, right now, at the beginning of another summer of festivals and other big events, that uh, maybe we should spend just a moment or two and take ourselves off autopilot and bring back to mind that if we're planning on using psychoactive substances at one of these events, well, then we'd uh, maybe better do a little upfront planning. Because your autopilot doesn't always work correctly on a dusty playa at 2 in the morning when you can't find your way back to camp. <laughs> Does that sound like the voice of experience talking? Well, it should, because, uh, well, that actually happened to me my first year at Burning Man. Although I was uh, 60 years old and already had a significant amount of experience with LSD, I made the rookie mistake of taking too big a dose one night. It's uh, it's really amazing how quickly things can go wrong for you in uh, just a short period of time. But fortunately, my friends took care of me that night, and uh, so I'm here to tell the tale. Now, this is my hard sell in trying to convince you to not only listen to what is said about safety today, but to uh, play this talk for your campmates before you head to your events this summer, or this winter, depending on where you're living right now. As you are about to hear the coordinator of the Palenque Norte Lectures, Chris Peza, say when he introduces our panel, it's a fine line between good crazy and bad crazy. <laughs> Let's make it all good this year. Now here's Pez. For our next panel, we have a, a very interesting assemblage here. Um, the panel is called Going Off the Psychedelic Rails. And it's going to talk a little bit about that line between good crazy and bad crazy and when is too much too much or not. Um, and uh, for this panel today, we have uh, Arena Alexander, uh, who works with homeless youth in San Francisco. Um, we have Annie Oak, a privacy activist and founder of the Full Circle Tea House and other cool stuff. And um, Dr. Bruce Damer will be joining us in just a few minutes. So with that, I'm happy to hand it off to Arena and Annie. This is a very appropriate topic to think about during Burning Man. This morning while I was watching the sunrise, I was contemplating the existence of a man who was completely made out of white hair. And I was thinking about the line between sanity and insanity and realizing that it's very thin, especially here, and how important it is to have discussions like this, how important it is to talk about what does it mean to go off the psychedelic rails? I mean, we all know someone who has. Maybe we have ourselves. And hopefully we've gone, we've come back, and reintegrated that experience. So we're going to talk a little bit about at the burn, what it looks like to go off the psychedelic rails, and how you can prevent that from happening. After the burn, what your community can do with each other to prevent one another from going off the rails. And when someone does go off the rails, what to do about it? Annie? <clears throat> Thanks, Irina. So here in this room, we all have 
fair bit of experience just among ourselves. As Irina said, we've seen people get into some uh, tricky situations out on the playa and then afterwards. And uh, you all probably have some knowledge and uh, some thoughts about this topic of your own. And so we'll be asking you to uh, contribute to this discussion as well. Uh, but we wanted to uh, begin by uh, giving perhaps some examples of some classic off-the-rails cases that we have seen <laughs> close up. And uh, some of these uh, you'll probably be familiar with. For example, uh, uh, combining certain substances uh, can sometimes lead to exuberant ideas and actions that in retrospect, seem unwise or unsafe. My favorite example is a certain participant who became very excited about the idea of taking a can of gasoline and adding it to the campfire inside of camp just to see what would happen because, you know, we all love flame effects. And um, that was perhaps an unwise uh, thing to do, uh, but seemed like a really great idea. At, at the time, uh, some rash actions. We've all seen examples of rash action. Um, we've also uh, seen examples of um, people who come back from a psychedelic journey with an urgent message, an urgent message for many people around them that they must urgently share. Uh, my favorite example of this is a certain person who came back from a journey and decided that they needed to somehow stop the burning of the man and address the entire playa with their urgent message and uh, tried to convince people to make this happen. And uh, so it was a, a touch of urgency there as well. We often come back from these journeys with some very interesting information for ourselves, but sharing that in um, certain ways can be an example of going off the rails. Um, we've, we've also seen people kind of get stuck, stuck between the worlds a little bit, come back and say, well, I haven't fully returned. I feel like I'm in a bardo state where I'm, I'm no longer in the world of my journey, but I'm no longer really not yet in this world either fully. I feel like I'm in a transit zone at the airport, you know, in the visionary airport out there. I'm in a transit lounge. And, uh, and I haven't really fully landed and, uh, and come back. So, um, and then there are the kind of garden variety. I forgot to drink water during my journey and I've woken up really dehydrated and feeling a little less than my, myself and I'm cranky and I'm not really fully in my body and I, I just, I'm just really haven't taken care of myself during my journey. It's easy to do out here to forget to drink water, eat, rest appropriately. You're out raging around on the playa. So we've seen people go off the rails simply with heat stroke and dehydration, especially as hot as it's been. So that's an example of that. Yes. And then just to add on, of course, there are the most tragic of cases where people completely go off the rails and take their lives, which I know some of us in our community have experienced. After the burn, we've known some people who have decided that that's that's where they need to go, and that's something that we really need to talk about as a community, how to support that transition, how to stop that from happening. So uh, 
as Irina said, we'll start with some things that you can do at the burn to reduce the chances of uh, this happening to you. Um, and one of the simple things that you can do at the beginning of your journey is to make sure that uh, you've had rest and water and food and that you're physically and mentally prepared for the journey that you're about to embark on. This sounds like simple common sense approach, but it's easy to forget when we're out raging around out there. It's also a really good idea to get a good night's sleep before and after your journey so that you're able to let your body and your spirit rest. And that's uh, kind of hard to do and we're so densely scheduled with parties and talks and art cars and all sorts of things happening out here. We all want to go to the dance camps and look at the burns and rage until dawn, but consider getting some rest before and after and eating well and hydrating during your journey. Another thing that's helpful is setting an intention When you go out on that outbound journey, set an intention for that journey, something that you would like in your life to be enhanced or really developed in that journey space. It's a touchstone for you to keep coming back to during your experience. What is your intention for this journey? Do you want to think about your relationship with your family, with your partner? Do you want to enhance your creativity? Do you want to plan a next stage of your life? What is your intention and hold on to that intention. It's a, it's a beacon out there in the dust. Another thing that's useful to do is to gather your community around you before you go on that outbound journey. Whoever you're out here with, your friends, your campmates, and just perhaps let one or two trusted people know that you're going on that outbound journey and to, just to say, you know, just, it might be really great for you to, if you wouldn't mind checking back in with me and, five or six or 12 or 24 hours, just to, you know, just be my pal, be my buddy. It's the buddy system, and that's really helpful. Keep your community close. Also, and this is uh, an old kernel of wisdom from the early psychedelic era, choose your set and setting carefully. It's really great to do that that dose that you want to do and then go out and rage around the playa and hang out on the art cars and be in a really noisy, loud zone, but be sensitive to where you feel like you're getting overwhelmed by stimulation and be sensitive to that. Be honest with yourself. If you really feel like you need a break from the noise and the blinky lights and the crowds, have an exit plan. Have a place where you think that you can go to just to chill out in the course of your journey and take a break from all the stimulation around you and then perhaps go back out into all of that wonderfulness out there. But but think about a quiet place where you can gather yourself, even mid-journey. Set and setting is really critical. If you find yourself in a camp or an environment that is not working for you during your journey, get out of that environment. Just leave. Don't worry about politeness. It's your journey. Be careful of the energy around you, the people around you, the noise around you, the light around you. Be mindful of that. And also know that, of course, you've got some resources out here. The Tea House is a space that was created for people to rest and integrate during their journeys. It's staffed with beautiful people. If you would like to help us serve tea, we welcome that as well. We have a sign-up form. Being in service is a good way to integrate and be able to give back.
back after your journey. It's a, it's a delicious way to feel fully participational, and it's also a good place to take a nap before, during, and after, and then come to integrate and talk to people over a nice cup of tea. Tea is grounding. That's why we do it. A couple final thoughts, and then I'm going to pass the mic back over to Irina. Um, it's been a noted phenomenon that people out here who are taking medication for some sort of psychological issue often stop taking their meds on the playa. People feel like, well, this is Burning Man. Why do I need to take my medication? Consider not doing that. Consider taking your regular medication and keeping your baseline state with your medication while you're out here. Many people that we've seen go off the rails do it not just because they're having a difficult psychedelic experience or emotional experience, but because they've stopped taking their medication. And it's very difficult to see where their baseline is. Also be aware of your personal and family history. If you are in a family that has a history of some sort of mental or emotional or psychological challenges, factor that into your journey. You know, you are predisposed towards more challenges in that realm as a result of your own personal family history. This has been well established. And then finally, consider lower dosages. Know your dosages. Weigh your dosages. Know the dosage that you're taking. Know the substance that you're taking. Know the source of that substance. And consider taking a pause if you are on a journey and you're thinking about doing another journey before you leave the playa, think about that carefully. Maybe you just need to take a pause and integrate that journey before you go on to another outbound journey. And I think this segues into our next discussion about integration. A journey is not what happens to you immediately after you take that substance and then after you come down. A journey is your planning before you do that, the experience of taking that substance, and then the rather long integration phase after you take that substance. It's The whole thing is the journey. People tend to focus just on the moment when you're altered, but in fact, it's the whole arc of the experience. So I think Irina has some things to say about that. Thank you, Annie. So... I wanted to talk about one thing in particular, and it was this event that we organized in the Bay Area called the Reintegration Station. And basically what it was, was a group of friends came together and we said, you know, our community has a really obvious need. And it's not a need for another Burning Man party. It's not a need for another decompression event. It's a need for a real, chill, let's just reintegrate and hang out together and put all these pieces back into place. So what we did was we focused on one rule that my dear friend Greg Manning came up with, which is really simple, but it really focused our entire planning of the event. And that one rule was work from surplus. So we only worked from the surplus energy that we had. We took a while to organize the event. It didn't happen directly after the burn, but we worked with what our community had to offer. So we brought together all of the therapists, the body workers, the cuddle therapists, shout out to Travis, uh, the artists, yoga teachers, workshop leaders, 
everyone who had a little bit of energy left to give. And we brought them together into a space that was offered to us for free. And we held our own reintegration station. And it was amazing. It was really, really great. It was the first time we tried it out. But I just wanted to give that a plug as to something that maybe your community wants to think about. It's relatively easy to organize. And you can scale it to whatever degree you need to scale it to. I mean, you can make it a giant huge 200-person event, or you can make it three people having dinner at your house. But whatever it needs to be, find the needs of your community and be there to support each other. As someone who works as an outreach counselor for homeless youth, I know that the biggest difference between my clients and, frankly, us is that a lot of times they don't have any connection to community. I have certain clients that I work with who will say, you know, you're the only person I've talked to this entire week. And that's my role, is connecting them to some sort of sense of community, some sort of sense of society. And we need to do that for each other. And if we do that for each other after the burn, especially after this crazy week with blinky things and our cars everywhere, then I think that will really prevent ourselves from going off the rails in a bad way. Another thing that we've discussed, you know, we, we checked in with some of our elders this morning and, and community members on this topic. We, we have a community here, too. There's a beautiful camp of people around this, this tent, the Palenque Norte tent and the Full Circle Tea House. And, and that community of people hold us and allow us to do the work that we do. So we took our own advice. We're eating our own dog food here. We checked in with them. And uh, they had a couple really good pieces of advice as, as wisdom keepers. And one of the favorite pieces of advice that we all agree with is that you should probably not make any big, important decision in your life for two months after a journey. No important decision. If you're rolling on MDMA, consider not getting married the week after that experience, even if it was a really great experience, we've all had them, think about that really carefully. Don't make big decisions. Sit on that decision. Remember that you're still in an integration phase, and that will take several months. You're still on the journey. Do not decide to necessarily switch careers, move away from your home, sell all of your possessions and go follow a guru. Just really think about it. Think about it carefully. Give yourself the space and time to sit with that experience and integrate that knowledge before you make a big decision. And you'll be better off for it. The other thing, piece of advice that also goes along with that is Many of us come back from journeys with really profound personal insights, information that we think would be very useful to other people. We call this the guru daddy phenomenon. Resist the temptation to be a guru daddy. Yes, you may have some very useful pieces of information, Consider not sharing that information with others or resisting the desire to share that information with others until you have fully integrated that information for your own purposes. 
it will be very tempting to want to share all your insights with all your beloveds, but just allow it to ripen in your own mind. And, you know, there's always that old adage about things that happen to you, once you start talking about them, they sometimes lose a little luster and sacredness. So just keep it close and allow that deep knowledge and understanding, those visions, to just be yours for a little while and ripen inside you before you're willing and able and wanting to share them with others. It's a good piece of advice from our elders, and we think that's a good piece of advice to pass on here. So then we come down to what to do when someone does go off the rails. We can put all of this harm reduction stuff into place, but still, one way or another, someone ends up losing their shit. Um, and this is this is a tricky question because it really depends. It's a case-by-case thing, right? What does the community do if someone is in guru mode nonstop stop two months after the event, right? One of the things that I've been working on uh, through MAPS is answering Ask MAPS emails. So it's askmaps at maps.org. It's an email address that people email telling me about their crazy DMT experiences and how they have to suddenly work for MAPS starting tomorrow or else God will be angry at them. Um, Or they email me saying, you know, I had this really difficult psychedelic experience and I need to find someone to reintegrate it with. Do you know anyone in my area who's able to do that with me? And every once in a while I am able to link people up with others. It's definitely still a work in progress. But um, if you are someone who's willing to offer that kind of support or someone who's seeking that kind of support, you know, shoot me an email, askmaps at maps.org, and we'll see what we can do. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a point where we can kind of open it up a little more for discussion about what to do when someone actually does go off the rails. Because um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. There are definitely a lot of different modalities that you can try to refer people to. There's not just talk therapy. There's body work. There's cuddle therapy. There's dancing. There's shamanic work. Um But it's really hard to see someone go through that in your community and not know how to support them. First, do you want to tell people who may not know what MAPS is? MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and it's a the top research organization for psychedelics. Right now they're doing a lot of research on PTSD and MDMA, really breakthrough stuff. And they run the Zendo, which is a really great space for integration and one-on-one support that's over at 230 and E on the other side of the city, our, our sister space. And uh, it's a staffed by a really great group of people, and we highly, highly recommend you go visit them if you feel like you need their services, really skilled and compassionate people. One... Uh, easy piece of advice for uh, folks who may feel like they're going off the psychedelic rails when they return from Burning Man or know those who are, check in with people. If you see somebody in your camp who you think might be in a vulnerable and tricky place, check in with them when you all get back home. Just ping them. Just say, hi, that was really fun. How are you? 
do you want to go out and get some tea or go have lunch or take a bike ride in the park? Whatever you do, just let them know that you're there for them so that they don't feel alone, so that if they're ready to talk about what happened to them, they have somebody there. It's difficult to leave Burning Man and go back into the default world and try to explain this to people who may not understand what Burning Man is like. So your community, your campers, your friends that you're out here with, you're a really important resource. So check in with people who you think need a check-in and, uh, and just be there for them and uh, bond with your common experience. I think that's really helpful. Make a buddy system. Before you go to the burn, say, okay, you and me, we're checking in after the burn. I think that's a really helpful way to go about it. Have we seen Bruce Damer? Bruce was giving another talk at another location. He's a very busy speaker, and so we're hoping that he'll be able to join us uh, for the end of this talk, and once he arrives, if he does, we'll hand him the mic, and he'll be able to give his two cents as well. Um, so we'd like to uh, open up the uh, floor for suggestions. What we're going to ask is that you not relay your own experience, but that you give a very succinct piece of advice that others may find helpful. And we'd like to see if anyone has a piece of advice they'd like to share. Um, just one thing that I'd like to recommend to everyone. This is a digital voice recorder. They're not that expensive. On um, You can get them now cheap, a low-quality one. Um, this is great if you're in some kind of altered state and you're having these amazing insights that you may not remember when you come back down. This is the greatest thing. You can, you can talk into this for six hours, for eight hours, and then come down two weeks later. You listen to the whole thing. It can be amazing. Some of it's gibberish sometimes. But it's this amazing wisdom you can find on here that you're like, wow, I, I didn't remember that at all. But now that I hear it, it all comes right back. So there's one little thing. Journaling, also a good idea. Um, I've noticed that with uh, myself and maybe other people that sometimes going off the rails involves this sort of um, dogmatic belief in a new truth. So you find something and then you are so sure that your experience is true and nothing else about it is true. And I find that sort of absolute commitment to some radical new truth um, can be sometimes really harmful. And I always like to check in with myself and just say, is this 100% definitely true? And ask myself that to see if there's a little wiggle room in there. Um, uh, and uh, sometimes that can sort of loosen up these sort of maybe obsessive thoughts or, or compulsions that might come from a very profound experience that has convinced you of something very radical that, that uh, may or may not be helpful for you. That's a great piece of advice. Thank you. Hello. Um, I'm from Austin a lot of the time. And uh, the advice I have is uh, we've been establishing a community there for several years. And one of the most beneficial things we've done now and have become part of the regular expectation is to have potluck dinners as soon as we can after these events and festivals and ceremonies. And just getting together without a lot of psychedelic noise 
and just being each, with each other and watching slides of whatever it was. It's amazing how evocative it is. But just sitting around and sharing meals on a regular basis now has formed another type of sociality among us, and it's been incredibly valuable. So take care of the community, invite each other over, take the responsibility of hosting a dinner, and it'll launch other new new beginnings to the group. It's a different thing when you run off and trip together for a weekend. But then if you have like five or six dinners over the course of a year, you really get to know people and you get to know what's going on in their minds and what things they've obsessed over and what things they've opened to. And it's been very helpful for us. So. Anyone have stories of someone who has gone off the rails and who their community has successfully brought back? Hey, so um, I went off the rails, and my community brought me back. I was at a company campout back in the 1980s for a Silicon Valley company. We all went down to Big Sur you know, and hung out in the creek and drank beer and cooked uh, hot dogs and uh, that evening I took a bunch of white powder that came in a vial that a friend had given me and he told me it was about two doses but it was more like about ten and I split it with somebody and uh, I had you know I uh, didn't uh, couldn't really perceive my physical surroundings anymore but I was kind of an energy being out among the galaxies and uh, uh, interacting with other energy beings. Uh, apparently, based on later evidence, I was rolling around in the ground, uh, you know, shouting at the top of my lungs and throwing up on myself. So my friends kind of, they got concerned about me. And they slugged me to slow me down a little. And then they, which I do vaguely remember, and then they put me in the back of their car and took me to the hospital in Monterey. And the folks in Monterey found the vial in my pocket and said, eh, it's okay, he'll sleep it off, take him home. So, so I, I next came back to consciousness in my bed in Palo Alto. And I had driven a motorcycle to uh, Big Sur. So now I'm, I'm waking up in my bed there. It's taking me an hour to get up the gumption to get out of bed and go to the bathroom. I'm really that fuzzy. Um, and I'm wondering now, okay, did I ride the motorcycle back and not remember it? <laughs> um, my hair was, like, covered in little tiny sticks. It took three days to get them all out of my hair. I had all these little scratches all over my body from rolling around in the, in the wilderness. And, uh, and I, I ended up okay. Right? But I went, uh, I, I went kind of sheepishly into work on Monday morning. You know, afraid people were really going to come down on me for, you know, going off the rails at the company picnic. <laughs> it wasn't the official company picnic. It was just like 40 people from the company. <laughs> um, and instead, actually, they were so loving and so welcoming. They said, we were so worried about you. We're so happy to see you here, you know, reporting Chipper for work on Monday morning. You know, they were they were so kind. They took care of me, and so you know, the lesson for me is, if you know, if you're going to make the mistakes, you know, not knowing the source of your drugs, not knowing the dosage, not even knowing exactly what drug it might be, perhaps, 
and you go off the rails, do it in a in an environment where you're surrounded by friends. <laughs> Wow, good stories, people. Keep them coming. Try not to get caught up in any sense of shame. You know, like this is, very few people get through a life of um, journeying with psychedelics without going off the rails at least once. So if you, if it happens to you, know that you have a lot of company out there. And and be kind to yourself. Don't Don't be too hard on yourself. Ask for help. Don't be ashamed to reach out to your community. And uh, give yourself some love for having the courage to go on that outbound journey. And also, maybe if you feel like your community has the capacity to do it, think about doing intentional sits where one person is going off the rails on purpose and two people are sitting with them and really holding down the space. That can that can really transform a lot of shit, <laughs> let me tell you. So um, I was just thinking about um, how certain people can work with certain substances and and then other substances don't agree with them. And my advice is just don't force um, or continue to keep forcing usage of something that isn't agreeing with you because uh, it, it, it doesn't work out great. And uh, I think you just need to realize that uh, maybe you're not friends with that substance and, um, and, and move on. Uh, I, I have a question, uh, if I may. So uh, um, we're talking a lot about communities, but there are people that are um, um, loners uh, in their trips. You know, they don't like to be in the in the community. The community scares them away and actually uh, makes the experience hard. So what would be the tools that can be used when you're alone, you know, and you want to be alone. You don't want to be, you know, in the setting of people for various reasons. After or after? In the process in particular, because then you're the most vulnerable probably. Um, Yeah, and after, yes, you know, the aftercare, uh, when you're alone, you're not connected to anybody and you basically, you don't want to be connected as well. I'm going to think about that one while I walk over here. (laughs) I mean, self-care in itself just isn't talked about enough. I just, uh, two birthday parties ago, I had everyone walk in and write on a little star something nice that they were going to do for themselves that day as a present to me. You know, and something as simple as that, as simple as just like doing something and making making it an event for yourself making it a celebration of yourself. Really, if you're alone, then it's just tapping into that self-love and self-care. And if you don't have community support, you're going to have to get really, really good at just just going back inward, turning back in, um, working on meditation practices during the actual, the actual trip, um, breathing exercises, Grounding meditations, yoga, uh, massage work. I myself like to go to the wilderness. I find that the land is very healing and grounding. If you don't want to be among people, go be among the other species and have and ask them to help put you back together. 
and uh, spend some time out in the forest, sleeping under the stars and, and grounding on the earth. The other thing I would recommend in the far other end of the continuum is get online. If you feel more comfortable not asking for assistance in a face-to-face way, you can always get online and reach out and ask for assistance on online forums. We all love Arrowhead. We want to give a shout-out to Earth and Fire Arrowhead for putting together trip reports. They're here on the playa. They spoke in the tea house with other people in a discussion forum a few days ago. But you can uh, you can go on to arrowwood.org and really uh, post your own experiences and reach out to others. And there are other online venues you can do that as well. I just wanted to add um, a little tidbit about um, harm reduction to the topic of exp- doing that sort of exploration on your own. I think at a, at a certain point to be responsible for your own well-being and the well-being of others, you need to draw the line on how far you want to go out if you're not willing to have support. Um, because it's one thing to have a, a mild experience on your own because you're not comfortable with the community. But um, to really go into a very deep journey uh, with no support can be incredibly dangerous, um, physically dangerous for yourself or for others. And I would just highly recommend that if someone's interested in, in you know, purposefully getting to the point where they might <laughs> go off the rails... Um, to really not do that alone because uh, it can be incredibly, incredibly dangerous. And I just wanted to add that as a little tidbit about harm reduction. And just uh, adding on to that, um, how important would you say it is to have a trips that are during a trip for somebody who is relatively inexperienced versus somebody who's say more experienced? And, you know, I know it, uh, there's a lot of variables in place, but how important is uh, having a trips that are in place uh, during a, a psychedelic journey? I think it's very important. It depends what you mean by sitter. Uh, some people, especially if they're inexperienced. Um, will certainly want people around them who are their friends, who know them, know their history, can support them. Um, If it's an intentional journey, as Irina was talking about, and it's just that person journeying and the sitter is not journeying but with them, also a very good model for very deep intentional work because if your sitter is at baseline, your sitter can be the grounding energy for you, especially if you're unexperienced. So it's a good way for uh, people just beginning those kinds of journeys to start out. I think it's a a really good point. And um, uh, remember that the people around you on your journey, if they're journeying as well, are also in the middle of their process also. I also wanted to add, remember the impact of your journey and the outcome of your journey on other people in your life, on your friends, on your family, Uh, You know, there's a lot of judgment and um, in some communities uh, negative feelings about the substances that we're talking about. And so uh, there's a potential for people to judge you for going on these journeys. They They will be concerned about you. They may be fearful for you. They may think that what you're doing is dangerous. So you have to factor that in and know that they're coming from a place of concern and love and that if you come back 
and you are off the rails, they're, they're going to act out of their concern in ways that may be challenging because they're worried about you. So uh, think carefully about your impact after your journey on those around you who might not be uh, as informed about these substances as other people in your lives. That's why it's important to have a community who knows um, about these kinds of journeys and can support you. Just really quick, uh, one more note on that. I find that a journey with a sitter is a completely different experience. It lets you go so many layers deeper. It's not that it's better, it's just different. If that's the intention that you're going for, is doing some really intense inner deep work, then knowing that someone will literally hold your hand and walk you to the bathroom is really helpful because then that part of your brain can just let go and you can go into it. So... Um, yeah, I'd say it's different. But definitely having some sort of safe container for it is necessary no matter what. Um, and another addition to the online resources is Blue Light, bluelight.ru. It's a really, really great community for just discussing anything drug-related. And um, mixing substances, and then Justin? Bluelight.ru. It's a really good resource. Mixing substances, tricky. Rule of thumb, mixing anything with alcohol, not advised. There's a reason we run a tea house and not an alcohol bar. There are a lot of bars out here. You think very, very, very carefully before you mix any psychedelic substance or even non-psychedelic substance in alcohol, the potential for a bad outcome is much, much higher. And really, if you're going to drink the night before you have a journey, be fully down from that alcohol and fully fueled up, you know, with good food, water, and rest. It has a residual effect on you. I myself do very little drinking out here on the playa, an occasional glass of champagne, but, you know, very little because I can't rehydrate fast enough and I just find it debilitating. But mixing anything with alcohol, not a good idea. Also, in general, mixing substances such as psilocybin and LSD together, generally not advised. What a waste of good substances. Why not do it one at a time and really... If you wish, explore each substance separately. The potential for bad outcomes in mixing substances that each have their own deep footprint uh, can be really tricky and debilitating. Um, and I would also just point out that the majority of the guests at the Zendo uh, have mixed several substances. A lot of times don't remember what substances they have mixed, but... Um, when you said the three magic words, ask for help, that kind of uh, lit a light bulb. Um, my friends know if, I'm, if I've stopped dancing <laughs> and I don't ask for help, that's probably when I need it the most. And I don't know if any, that's common to anyone else. But I've found that um, just asking for help can be a huge release. It's sort of a surrender to what you're going through. You're like, okay, bring it on. I'm going to ask for help, you know. And um, that probably goes into thinking about who you're journeying with and that if you 
honestly, before you start your journey, don't feel like you're with people that you can ask for help. You might rethink what you're about to do because these things can get um, very interesting <laughs> and um, you want to be with kindred souls. And it doesn't mean everybody's always going to be on parallel paths, but you come back to that same, well, basically a love for each other and you want to see to help each other through what you're, whether it's the only way out is through or you're a cancer and you like to walk around things. Um, yeah, just those three magic words, asking for help, I find very magical for me. So, And for the closing argument, <laughs> Bruce Damer, everyone. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> Boy, you know... Um don't uh, the very next day decide to paint your house green, change your gender, tell your boss off, um, anything like that. Give it time. Give it time. So about uh, people who are taking prescription medication for mental illness, so... What's known about interactions uh, with like classical psychedelics like LSD and mushrooms or um, the non-classical psychedelics, a lot of the designer drugs, and any potential interactions with antidepressants or anxiety drugs or other things that people might be taking normally that they might decide to stop taking because they're thinking about taking psychedelics and concerned about the mixing aspect? So stopping taking mental health meds in itself is just a risky thing to do, SSRIs in particular. If you stop them uh, before a psychedelic experience, then that can create a serotonin de depletion that can send you into a really bad place. It's a really, really tricky thing. A lot of times people will stop taking their um, SSRIs, antidepressants, before the burn and end up in a really bad place after the burn. I've seen it happen plenty of times. Um, yeah, that's that's hard because then a lot of times if, if they don't and they try to kind of tag along with the team and also join the psychedelic adventure, it just doesn't do anything for them because those receptors are all blocked. So it's hard. And really we... Hopefully we'll get to a point where we'll be able to talk to our doctors about that. And I really encourage people to talk to doctors about it and be open and honest with your doctor about what's going on. If you can't be completely open and honest, say, hey, I'm you know, going to go hike a rigorous mountain and I've decided that while I'm hiking, I'm going to stop taking my medication. What is your recommendation for that process? <laughs> you know, make up a story, <laughs> but let them know what's going on and see if they have any advice. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Find a doctor you can really talk to and be honest with. You know, there is such a thing as medical privacy, and you have the right to have a private conversation with a medical provider and be honest about the substances that you're thinking of taking or want to take and their potential impact on other medications or medical conditions that you have. And if you don't have such a doctor, find one. It's, it's your right and uh, kind of your duty to know, you know what those uh, implications are. And uh, those doctors are out there. We know them. 
and uh, we're uh, we're hoping that you can find them as well. And uh, one thing I will say, um, MDMA is a particularly tricky substance, uh, especially because it uh, has an impact on the temperature regulation in your body, and um, especially out here where it's been very hot, it's uh, can be a very tricky substance. It's an amphetamine. Um, so it places that extra load on your system. Uh, if you uh, have heart conditions or uh, other medical conditions for which stimulants like amphetamines are not advised, think carefully about that substance in particular. Also consider not doing a journey in the heat of the day it's been so hot out there. It's really hard to stay adequately hydrated. Nighttime, when it's cooler, can be a better choice. Of course, there are lots of blinky lights and things that can be intense and stimulating, but consider going on your journeys when it's not 103 degrees outside and you're walking around out on the playa. It's a, just an extra load on your entire body. Avoid hot tubs. Avoid hot tubs. If you're on MDMA and it's already messing with the temperature regulation in your body and maybe you're not fully rehydrating as you should and you're just rolling and having a great old time, think carefully about getting in that hot tub because it's going to increase the temperature of your body, of course, and it might, um, it might heat stroke you. Don't get into a hot tub alone while you're on a substance ever. And if you see a friend heading towards the hot tub alone and they're on that substance, go with them. You might want to try to talk them out of it, but be careful. They're, they're uh, alluring, but potentially very dangerous. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, if you talk to medical people at Harbin Hot Springs, the super hot pool has been the cause of several emergencies, you know, frequent, and they know what's causing it, that super hot pool there at Harbin. Um, for uh, less experienced uh, folks, um, the impact of sort of the, the emotional preparation uh, before going on a journey, uh, are there any sort of um, things to look out for concerning anxiety or depression that we should consider not taking a journey at that time? I think you just answered your own question. Set and setting. If you're already feeling anxious or depressed or not in a centered place, maybe you shouldn't go on that journey. The, the journey is just a reflection of what's going on often inside your own head. And it may not be the thing that you need to return to yourself. You might need to address that anxiety and that depression in other ways before you decide to get altered and then use that journey later as a way to explore the feelings after you've been able to address them. It will put you at a greater risk for perhaps a negative outcome in your journey. Put yourself in a good place first or work towards that good place. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, unless that's your day-to-day -day state of being and that's something that you want to work through intentionally with that medicine, then 
there's been a lot of work done with with that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I think it's all about the container and the space. And a really good book recommendation is the Psychedelic Explorer's Guide by James Fadiman. It's really it's a good thorough book about how to set the space just right beforehand and how to really process the trip. A lot of the work that's been done with, say, MDMA and PTSD therapy or uh, MDMA or other substances um, has been done in combination with talk therapy. So it's really helpful to perhaps find a a therapist that you can work with who you can uh, work with in combination with the substance and uh, and have both approaches working for you to try to sort through the anxiety or depression that you're working with. And even if the therapist isn't willing to actually be there while you're going through the experience, having a therapist who's open to hearing about those kind of journeys after you've come back from them is really crucial. And that's something personally that I ask my therapist about But as I'm interviewing them to find a new therapist. I say, hey, what, what are you going to say to me if I come to you and start telling you about a really important LSD experience that I had last night? And my therapist is awesome. Um, so um, with that, yeah. We're wrapping it up, and really the grounding force community. Check in with each other after the burn. Make sure that we're all good. Watch each other's backs. We got this. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time. Did you notice how much good advice came from the audience during this talk? I think that uh, you're going to find that if you get a group of people together to discuss psychedelic safety, that you're going to hear some new ideas, uh, at least shaped in ways that you hadn't thought of before, and that those ideas may give your group a, well, a little more resilience should a challenge ever arise during one of these events. And as Annie said, if you stay involved with the psychedelic community long enough, there is an almost certainty that, well, at one time or another, you, (laughs) yes, you, will have a flame out of some kind. It happens to the best of us, uh, sometimes more than once. And that's why it's so important to become involved with others in our community. And uh, this is coming from someone who has uh, basically been a loner when it comes to tripping. But at festivals, for sure, there is uh, most definitely safety in numbers, so find the others. And I have to admit to uh, smiling to myself a little when an audience member brought up the issue of uh, having a support group for yourself if you plan on doing a heroic dose or, uh, as I believe he said, intentionally going off the rails. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, I don't think anybody does that intentionally. But uh, what made me smile is how gracious and courteous he was in recommending the support group as a safety issue, which it most definitely is, by the way. However, uh, there are also people like me, uh, the less enlightened, who sometimes get called upon to deal with someone who has gone badly off their rails. And uh, it's quite often a good friend uh, who should have known better. And while the safety of the person and the rest of us was our first order, uh, I'm ashamed to admit that, uh, well, I was royally pissed off a few times at having this jerk or that jerk ruin my trip. Of course, uh, the reason that I didn't display my anger was (laughs) because my friends would be more than happy to remind me that they once had to help me out of a deep hole as well. 
What uh, goes around comes around, I've been told. Anyway, uh, save your heroic trips for times when they won't ruin somebody else's trip, uh, should you slip off your rails a bit. And uh, hey, let's not forget the fact that out of the thousands of psychedelic experiences that take place every day, the number of bad trips is very, very small. Bad trips happen, and uh, we should be prepared to deal with them, both our own and those of others. So be prepared, but let's also focus on all of the good experiences that are being had each and every day by psychonauts all around the world. And uh, speaking of good experiences, in just a few days, the Women's Visionary Congress will take place in Petaluma, California. And I know that many of our fellow saloners are going to be there, and... Uh, well, maybe you're listening to this podcast on your way there right now. In which case, I wish you a safe journey, both to and from the Women's Congress, and on all of your psychedelic trips as well. And for now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be careful out there, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>